Welcome to Butter With That. I'm Sam, your host tonight. I'm here with my co-hosts, Connor, Tori, Christine, and Dave. We're a couple of friends from a city in a state on the East Coast, and we like to talk about movies. And I'm Ira Glass. We're... <laughs> Every time we say we're friends, I'm like, I bet people think we're not friends because we say it all the time. We're trying really hard. To... Friends again. We promise. Oh, oh, you're friends, huh? It's a business relationship. <laughs> um, well, anyway, so we are wrapping up our February month of anti-Oscars. So um, we'll get into my pick a little bit later on, but what we been doing is tackling an issue about the Oscars itself, kind of hashing it out, talking it out. Um, and so my movie has something to do with race. And so something that we heard, Connor, when you gave um, all of those statistics in your episode, we heard over and over how white the Academy is and how like it just suffers from a lack of diversity. So um, something happened, I believe in 2015, the hashtag Oscar so white started by April Rain, who, fun fact, I actually saw speak last year about this hashtag mm. movement and her various other social media movements, which was a really cool and interesting experience. I saw her speak at the Lorraine Motel Museum, which is, of course, where Dr. King was assassinated. So it was like a really overwhelming experience but I was glad to be there but um, in the 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 same vein and mood as Connor and Christine and Tori um, I thought I would give us some statistics about the Oscars and its relation to people of color and other minority groups so um, I I did a very very brief look at how many black men and women and non-binary folks who have won the Oscars not have been nominated but have won. So those folks have won an Oscar 39 times since Hattie McDaniel in 1939 for her role as Mammy in Gone with the Wind. Um, so that, I mean, is kind of incredible. In 1939, Hattie McDaniel, she wins Best Supporting Actress for this character that is, I, I, not to take anything away from her performance, but is, uh, portrays a really negative stereotype about black women, the, the mammy stereotype. Mm. There are so many others that, you know, people have talked about a lot in, like, academia and everything else, but... Um, I just think that's really fascinating is that like she won the award for portraying a stereotype that white people want to pigeonhole like black women into like the they always they were talking about this in the the documentary saw the um, the character that's just there is like the person to help the white people like never the front never like the main character but just the person that's there to like listen and like do whatever that white person needs you know offer sage advice yeah Mm -hmm. yeah there there was also a denzel washington uh awarded finally for uh as best actor i believe if i'm remembering this correctly for training day Mm. um which was a role that he felt really conflicted about accepting his first uh, best actor uh, award for given that it was uh, in a lot of ways, a very negative character and, and played into a lot of um, kind of unfortunate tropes and things. And, and uh, I know that he felt really conflicted about that win as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair. Was he nominated for or win for, or he wasn't, was he nominated for Malcolm X? I'm not sure. I don't think so, but he's been nominated a few times, especially recently. Mm. They've been nominating him a whole bunch. Um, 
So, right. It's like nomination at the expense of, of what? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but the so so again, that was for best actress in a supporting role. Um, best actress in a lead role didn't happen until 2001 with Halle Berry in Monsters Ball. Wow. Yep. Yeah, that was yeah. such a big deal. It was a huge damn big deal. Now, when it comes to lead actor, that actually happened much earlier with Sidney Poitier mm-hmm. um, in 1963 for Lilies of the Field, mm-hmm. which I'm actually surprised not for Blackboard Jungle. That movie... It's a great movie. ...is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so I just sort of wonder why not. Um, but... As far as I know, there have been no black men, women, or non-binary folks who've won for best animated film, which is pending right now for um, Into the Spider-Verse, mm. for cinematography, costume design, which is pending now for um, Black Panther, hmm. um, director pending Spike Lee for Black Klansman. Right. Um, overdue. Long overdue, right? Absolutely. I think there's a chance he might win Best Picture. I, that's that what I've been hearing. That it has to be. Yeah, I mean. I haven't seen Black Klansman, but that it, it, and it's another thing we'll talk about next week. But um, it, one of those things where it finally is just honoring a director's legacy, and that like they missed do the right thing is like God yeah, like damn. it's more like the not that this was the best movie of this year, but like we have like we're doing this yeah, because this yeah. person just like has deserved it and mm-hmm. been overlooked. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Um, and so the the other category I noticed was film editing. Um, so it looks like with this year's Oscars, like they could right some wrongs here. We'll see if that happens. Um, there are other uh, minority groups who have won um, Oscars. So Ben Kingsley won for playing Mahatma Gandhi in um, 1982 for the film Gandhi. Um, and weirdly I, I i got all this from wikipedia so like keep this all in mind um the only actress that has won for like best lead actress with um like latinx descent is hillary swank which is kind of weird because they have to call it descent so like mm. that you know is like they're like stretching maybe yeah a little yeah, bit. yeah it feels like a big yeah. stretch and she won twice for um boys don't cry and million dollar baby and so my big question is, like, considering all of this, like, the the lack of diversity in the Academy and also the, the lack of diversity in, like, people who've actually won, um, where's the solution to this? Mm-hmm. So I know that's something that has come up a lot is, well, what about blockbuster movies? How are we going to acknowledge them in, like, the most popular movie mm-hmm. category? I don't think that they move forward with that this Oscar season, but what are your thoughts? Is that the solution or is this just going to like pigeonhole um, and lessen movies made by people of color? I mean, it's it's one of those things, too, where like this year, like I think it's three movies that have been nominated for Best Picture, are all ones that are dealing with race. Um whether um, some of them are doing it well, which um, mainly only mean one of those movies is do- potentially doing it uh, badly, but um, that seems like potentially a, a big deal. And I-, I mean, even just like thinking of like even like within the past like few years and stuff, the opportunities that are like weren't there there that are there now. Um, 
I mean, Black Panther being nominated is such a huge deal um, where there are what, like two whole like white actors in that whole movie um, seems like a really big deal too. like where the majority of the cast like is black, like seems like a really big deal. Um, and I, I this is like like sucks to think about, but like maybe it's just like we still have time to go before things like get better um like it seems like overall they are as far as like movies and stuff goes but it it, i mean the academy just seems so behind anyway like maybe it's just gonna take that much longer for them to catch up like i I don't know i think a lot of it is going to come to bouncing off your point of blockbuster movies like black panther is one of the most successful films of all time Mm. um and for decades the logic was oh an all black all person of color movie can like never be successful Mm. mainstream Mm -hmm. so i think you're going to see avenues of like you know marvel has this platform and it's awesome that finally after so many years of kind of ignoring that demographic when they embraced it they hit a huge home run Mm -hmm. so i think in terms of like you know money will always talk and I think we saw that a few times this year with also Crazy Rich Asians. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it came out in 2018 or 2017, but Girls Trip, like, that movie was great. People fucking loved it. And so, like, hey, actually, there is an audience for these things. They just have to be marketed. Well, uh, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's not just, like, you know, like, these are enjoyed by, like, a wide audience of people, you know, um, which I think is also, like, a pretty big thing like the documentary I saw the other day like one of the women was sitting there talking about how when she saw get out she was shocked almost that um white people in the crowd were empathetic for the main protagonist character who is black um and was like wow like yeah like they're now they're kind of in a position that we've been in forever where we have to feel empathy for all these white characters that are the protagonists that we're seeing mm. um so it's like nice to see it like going the other way we're like yeah like you know it is it is not like out of like their wheelhouse to also feel empathetic for these like minority characters who are now finally getting their due and being the protagonist in these really big movies. While at the same time, which you had acknowledged earlier that Jordan Peele had said that this movie was not mm-hmm. made for yeah. white audience. Like, yeah, that it didn't mm-hmm. have to be a consideration. Yeah. Um, which mm-hmm. it's like that was a result of a mm-hmm. movie that he made. Yeah. Yet the intended audience was yeah. was very ex- uh, specifically mm-hmm. and intentionally and like, these aren't for a white and audience. these aren't characters who are playing mammy characters like they are full front like screen protagonists like they are the ones who these movies are about um and that just feels like really profound right now well and at the end of the day like specificity is like if you craft something be it a play a movie you know a book as long as if there's a specific vision behind it Mm-hmm. Like those are universal themes mm-hmm. generally. Yeah. Um, so if something is made for a specific purpose, like people are going to latch onto that. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think is kind of cool, um, which I also learned from this documentary. So Night of the Living Dead um, is a movie that features a black protagonist. Um, and when George Romero like was asked about that, um, if you haven't seen that movie, 
having him as the main actor ends up giving it a totally different feel um, because it wasn't necessarily written for a black character. Um, Romero said basically, like, they were like, why did you pick a black actor? And he goes, because he was the best person that came in and auditioned for the role. Um, And I heard a very similar reaction to a movie, which I have not seen, but I heard is very good, uh, called The Girl with All the Gifts. Um, And the main actress is a very young black um, girl. Um, And it was the same thing where it was like, this role was not intended for a black girl, but she came in and she was the best audition. And that is why we gave it to her. Um, so even like those things um, are just are such a such a big deal and like so profound and end up giving a lot of these movies like a much different tone. Oh, um, yeah. The end of Night of the Living Dead mm-hmm. is yeah. like Whew. would have been so different. Yeah. And I think, yeah, uh, much like a throwaway. And I mean, the, the end of that movie, I think, is it wouldn't have meant like much. Um, and even they said, um, the woman that's in the house Mm -hmm. with him, the white woman, the, they were like, yeah, the whole time you're watching that movie, you can't really tell if she's more afraid of like the flesh eating Mm -hmm. people outside or the fact that she's alone in the house with a black man. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's super profound. Um, Yeah. And the sheriff with the German shepherds outside, like, and the, um, those images, Mm -hmm. black and white images are just so, they're pulled out of the history books. I would love to read reviews from the time. I've never done that. It would be interesting, yeah. I, I don't know much about it either. Um, I do know that one of the other anecdotes they mentioned was that he was driving in the car with like the film canisters after the movie was done, and he was listening to the radio, and um, they were announcing that Martin Luther King had just been assassinated. So like after that too, it was like wow, like what you have right now, like means like even more than you probably thought it did, um, just because of like the time that it is all happening in. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. Um, so any other thoughts on like how to cure the academy of their white burn it down? Yeah, they need. Yeah, I mean, they need a whole new academy. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that the percentages are still so low for women and uh, minority representation, like that just needs to not be a thing. And I think the academy right, is re- re- like representative of the people that are working in the industry. Right. Yep. So it's like looks it it yeah it's it's and like many other things people, is a reflection of you know like why is this not right, 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 right. society looks and like. so it's like within film sets it's like like not only who is makes up the academy but like who are producers and directors hiring to work on films who are writers of yeah. movies. Yeah, um, and, like that's true. But also, Connor, didn't you say that the only way to become part of the academy is by knowing someone who's already in it? You so, can be, you can. So there's mm, a board. So it's of, like this ex- insular. Right. Exclusive, so like it's not yeah. going to change. Yeah, there's a board of governors that can invite people themselves, <laughs> so, or somebody can be nominated uh, by board. at least two members to join. Yeah, I'd like to know what the board specifically looks like. Well, if the median age of about six thousand people is sixty-two years old. <laughs> Yeah, of all 6,000 people, you can probably imagine. Makes me all the more shocked that things like Black Panther are nominated when you like realize like what the Academy actually looks like. Well, and like who directors and producers have to uh, align themselves with to get their movie made, which came was a surprise for me just watching the trailer for uh, this right week's episode. (laughs) Right. So so let's get into that. No, no, no. Yeah, I am. Yeah. um, So. Something we mentioned is that Black Panther is nominated for Best Picture, and yet the director of the film yeah. was not nominated. I that was 
cannot understand that. I and I know that it happens a lot throughout mm-hmm. Oscar history, but like what the fuck? Were the actors no, it was yeah, so. No, it was imagine. only best picture and costume they design, were, and 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 Kendrick Lamar, I think, is also yeah. nominated. Yeah, I think some sound. Stuff um, actors, I believe, were nominated for the Screen Actors Guild awards. I believe, okay. but like, not for the Academy. That's and that's fine. I don't want to take anything yeah. away from yeah. like the SAG Awards or Golden Globes, but like they're not the Oscars, right? And when we talk about like what winning things means for like future development of other movies. Mm-hmm. It's significant, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. And so so the movie that I chose was directed by the same director of, of Black Panther, which is Ryan Coogler. I think he's a genius. I'm obsessed. Um, he has, th- I think, three feature films, um, Black Panther, Creed, and Fruitvale Station, which is what I chose for our anti-Oscars. This movie um, came out in 2013. It stars Michael B. Jordan, um, Melanie Diaz, Octavia Spencer, and a few other people. Um, It's incredible. It was Ryan Coogler's first feature film, and he, like, comes out of the gate with a fantastic piece Mm. um but before we really get into the movie um let's talk about trailers and reviews so trailers yeah i didn't want to i didn't want to give it away so i was like (laughs) oh wait she hasn't mentioned the title of the movie yet (laughs) i mean people will also see the the title of this episode okay okay well i I was it was suspenseful in the moment my heart was racing (laughs) all right um email us if your heart was racing too (laughs) right We'll gauge, yeah, uh, all the feels. Okay. Um, like I have the never seen, like... right, the like heart monitor in the theater. Sorry. I have never seen Fruitvale Station, uh, but saw Creed and Black Panther. So, like, gonna go home, if not tonight, tomorrow night and watch it. Um, because watching the trail, like, I knew the movie, I was familiar with the story, but the trailer is such a, like, finely cut trailer and, like, jump or, like, threw me right into uh right into this feature i brought it up just a moment ago because the first scene or the first image you see is weinstein company and i was like right this i think this connects so much also to like you've got a brilliant visionary like ryan coogler and then what production companies do do directors have to work within like these yeah. behemoths yeah. Yeah. who we now know are founded by fucks that's where the so, money is right yeah. exactly no Piercer was also produced mm. by the weinstein the company. first uh, movie i showed for my horror night is one of my favorite horror movies called the burning and like uh, the first thing you see is weinstein and you're like oh fuck like or like the master that's a movie that might not have even been made if it weren't for yeah weinstein. i think yeah. it's, and all the miramax it's in, movies too it's really just interesting to, to now be watching movies and being i know i like now look at the product like who produces it just you know and it certainly seeing the weinstein w is like oh this is interesting Mm -hmm. anyhow so that's like it opens but then this trailer cut like opens right with cuts of the drama unfolding within the train station it's very disorienting um you sense that it's it's showing you the drama like that's unfolding with this main character um and already it's like a big jolt and then the trailer shifts back to um the the main character going about his day um 
spending time with his daughter, his girlfriend, his mom, all uh, within one day of uh, New Year's Eve. Um, and so you're getting sort of his day-to-day -day life and it's building all the while these scenes of like him interacting with the people in his life, these scenes of tenderness that definitely like is building this sense of, of dread to come, of what's to come. And then you get, it returns back to scenes within the train station in, um, in which, yeah, just like ha kind of knowing what happens, but, uh, not wanting to give anything away. It's just like, yeah, lots of intense, um, scenes, which, yeah, this, this character, uh, finds himself in a horrific and terrifying situation um and something i noticed in the trailer in the scenes that are happening uh inside the train station is a character a bystander pulls out a phone and starts recording what's going on and even within the trailer i think this theme of the act of witnessing something happen mm -hmm. uh is clearly apparent um you have the video recording and footage of what was seen when this actually, this real event happened and what was depicted in, in newspapers and the injustice of this tragic story. Um, and you have witnessing this guy's regular life and all the things that unfolded before this like tragic event happened um and so i think even from the trailer you've got this idea of like witnessing something that's happening um and a movie taking this opportunity to paint a full, full picture so i like am so excited to see this movie just by watching the trailer and i thought it was it was cut and edited really really well um so yeah cool thanks christine what year was this movie? Um, 2013. Okay. Because I was going to say, um, I also have not seen this movie, but I know the trailer very well because I feel like the music is super, um, like, super stood out. And mm. whenever I, like, think of this movie, I think of, like, specifically the song that they used in the trailer. So for whatever reason, like, that trailer has stuck with me for however many years it's been since that came out, which yeah. is interesting. And this is a trailer where, like, I think it presents the arc of the drama in little moments mm -hmm. without like deflating it and giving away like mm -hmm. you know, like familiar with the new story you know what happens yeah. but i think without giving too much away all right is me it's you <laughs> is you is me um yes so uh i have not seen this i also have not seen creed uh both of which are very high up on my list of like movies i really need to get to because um i know i have heard incredible things about both of them um and i also am like only seeing him in a very few things i'm already like a michael b jordan convert oh. he's fucking fantastic in black panther and um, fahrenheit 451 and fahrenheit Yo. 451 which is one of my favorite books i have a tattoo of it on my leg like i love that book and watching him in the lead role was like super impactful and amazing he um, actually just um he owns a production company he does and they yeah. just bought the rights to a series of african-based fantasy novels oh cool. and he's gonna start producing them as a television show you happen to know cool. what the fan fantasy stuff is i will google it Okay. While you're Googling it, um, there Michael B. Jordan is also starring in Just Mercy, which Ooh. is Whoa, the, really? yeah, yeah, it's the famous Brian Stevenson oh, book. Yep. Uh-huh. And Jamie Foxx is also going to be in it as well. So Which also uh, there's Walter. a lot of exciting stuff happening in like black fantasy and black sci-fi now like one of my favorite series that i've recently read is like uh was written by a black female um sci-fi writer which is 
kind of a big deal in like the sci-fi like writing community specifically um is like pretty different so um yes like all of these things are awesome and michael b jordan's a big nerd um i follow him on instagram oh, and he it, loves like, anime, anime. Oh, yeah he's just so cute Do, um there's some company maybe it's like vogue or something that asks like just rapid fire questions mm-hmm. they follow somebody around for like 20 minutes mm-hmm. they've done it uh, with several people and i've watched all of them mm-hmm. but um they talk to michael b jordan and you just you really just follow him around his house and they're like what's one place you want to visit and he looks at a map and he points to japan he's like they got the anime and I have never loved someone so much than I did in that moment. For some reason, him and Idris Elba, whenever they post things, I find them so just, like, adorable and wonderful, where I'm just like, you are both the the most fantastic. I want to see you in all of the things. So the series is actually um, him and Warner Brothers bought the fantasy novel, like, the rights to Black Leopard Red Wolf. Oh, interesting. That's the name of it. Uh, and they're going to turn it into films, not a television show. Hell That's yeah. That's really cool. And oh. It's been described as um, the African Game of Thrones set in the colonialism era of Western Europe taking Damn. African slaves. I'm, Whoa. I'm on board. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, um, yes. So um, it shouldn't, shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that uh, Fruitvale Station got uh, pretty high ratings for Rotten Tomato. Uh, was 94%. Um, so pretty highly regarded um as like should kind of give like a broad overview of what a lot of people were saying because obviously most of the reviews are very positive um michael b jordan brilliant in this role um and also like tons of credit because i think kugler wrote this one also Mm -hmm. um so tons of credit for him for um for writing and directing this um a, a lot of the like you know buzzwords that came up were relevant captivating devastating um i think the his main character's name is grant is that correct oscar grant um yeah so they they mentioned something about even just like letting this you know main protagonist character be complex and maybe contradictory at times and just like towing like those lines of how like a person like can be a full person and have like all of these different sides to them which was really amazing (laughs) yeah um uh, so there were some, so I would like to read like, uh, maybe more of like the, what I think are pretty silly negative reviews before I go into some of like the, um, positive reviews that I thought were really important. Um, someone wrote just no. And I was like, what oh the fuck God. does that mean? <laughs> fuck off. And someone just said like, oh, good hearted, like liberals, like not like missing the mark or something. And I was like, yeah, typical. Oh, what does that mean? Sure. Sure what does that mean? Rolls. Uh, Brian, I think the most indicative thing is that that's the only thing that is said. Like, <laughs> it, no When they say that, it's like almost nothing you say after I feel like matters to no. me, you know? Um, so dumb. Let's see. Uh, Brian Orndoff gave it a C. Dumb fucking name. Um, <laughs> Fruitvale Station intends to investigate a troubled soul at the very moment of its awakening, but rarely does it feel authentic. And worse, it comes up uh, frustratingly incomplete. Uh, mm. White man. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the part? Frustratingly and uh, incomplete. Um, so um, let's see. Well-meaning, uh, naturally actic, uh, horrifically unbalanced. Whatever its objectives, the film comes across as an emotionally exploitative, crudely manipulative prayer. Um, yeah. Mm. Just did stuff. he watch the movie? 
All I can think of is the South Park. They took her jobs. Um, <laughs> like those so kind yeah, of people. There's, there's yeah. some really what I feel are very silly um, negative reviews of this movie. Um, but of course, the bulk of them are, you know, very positive. Um, there are some that I thought with that were really important to mention. Um, someone wrote, it focuses on its subjects, humanity and assesses the tragedy on a personal rather than explicitly uh, sociopolitical level. However, the way in which it fleshes out Oscar's character makes it an actually political work, uh, which I think is like a really interesting um, insight into that movie. Um you know, someone mentions like there's rage and wrenching sadness here, um, but like Kugler has filtered it and packed it with a lingering grace, uh, which I thought was like a really interesting mm. term. Um, and then finally, um, Matt Kellerman um, from Aspect Ratio said that after seeing Fruitvale Station, you should come away with the impulse to muse on the life behind the next tragic homicide in the news that sparks debate, um, which I, again, have not seen this, but, you know, I can assess a decent amount from this and, like, knowing, like, the backstory. So that alone, I just think, is a pretty profound thing for people to think of. Like, thinking about who these people really are uh, before the tragedy Mm -hmm. occurs. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's so... It's not disappointing, but it's like disheartening for me to hear people say, well, it's inherently political because it's like, well... I understand what you're saying, but like mm. what you see here is, and and I should kind of give like a, a brief synopsis of mm-hmm. it. So, um, January first, two thousand nine, Oscar Grant and his friends were coming back from celebrating New Year's, and at the um, Fruitvale Station on the the BART system, mm-hmm. which is like our SEPTA, so I mm-hmm. think it stands for like Bay, Bay Area, Area Regional Transportation. Thank you. So. Um, uh, a kerfuffle happened in the train and eventually um, Oscar and a few of his friends are pulled outside of the train and an officer shoots and kills him like point blank in the back. Not a police officer, a subway, well, uh, like a, a subway like a, cop, like a transit police, right? Yeah. Like we see those yeah, all right. the time in SEPTA. So like, which you're also just like, Ugh. Like, <laughs> right. And it's just sad to me that that has to be inherently political mm-hmm. because it's like, no, what happened is you had a person who used an excessive amount of force um, and killed somebody. And that shouldn't be a political issue. We should just be like, that was fucking wrong. Mm-hmm. But of course, the- but the fact that like, because, you know, things are the way they are and they're shitty, like these things have to be political. Right, right. Yeah, they should just, they should just right. suck. <laughs> like, you know, all of that's, these things Yeah, that's just what I'm suck. saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's sad that it's inherently I know. political. It is. I agree. And yeah, and then it becomes not about that person and this really tragic thing that happened to this person, but it becomes about everyone's goddamn fucking opinion <laughs> about right. what occurred and who was right and who was wrong, as opposed to just like sitting with, like these like horrible things that have happened, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, just because it's important to, to remember that this movie is based on real events, based on real people, mm-hmm. based on real Oscar Grant who lost his life. So he was 22 years old when he died. <sighs> um, right. Terrible. Yeah. Um, something that like I can't help but think about is that January 1st, 2009, I was getting my wisdom teeth removed while Oscar was being operated on. So we were both 
both in the operating room at the same time he died because of something like that and I was getting my wisdom teeth removed like I I can't get over that but you know it, it's it's real life and it's um you know, there's a, a lot of reasons why I picked this movie, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that later, but, like, that is one of the reasons, mm -hmm. because I, I feel like I have this, like, shared moment, which is, is weird, and it's nowhere close to being that, but it, it sort of feels like that for me. But to think about, like, where you were, and, like, being in the same place, but for, like, drastically different yeah. things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> which yeah. really, like, that kind of inherent politicism becomes kind of important, yeah. Yeah, right. Right. So um, the BART police officer in question here, his name is Johannes um, Meserly. Uh, he claimed to have mistaken his gun for his stun gun or taser and accidentally killed Oscar. Um, however, videos taken of the shooting show a very different story. Mm -hmm. um, to to kind of go into it a little bit more and Connor I want to hear your thoughts on this I think um, Ryan Coogler for it being his first feature film and he wrote it by the way he also wrote Black Panther and Creed mm -hmm. um, so this being his first film I think he did a really great job of showing someone in their complete form so he shows you Oscar who's not a perfect person we see him first in San Quentin um, but we also see that like he's really a present figure in his daughter's life, um, a really great son. Um, also, though, continues to sell drugs, but stops because he feels this like disconnect, wanting to be with his family, but also partaking in that. So um, we can talk more about Oscar's life as we go throughout this, which I think is important. Mm -hmm. um, but Connor, my question for you is. Um, First of all, what are your thoughts of the movie? And then also, do you think that this is a movie that should have been nominated for the Oscars? So this was a movie that sat on my Netflix queue for probably like three years. Uh, then disappeared from Netflix. I forgot about it. And as I was very thankful to get the chance to finally watch it. Um, this is I've seen Creed, Black Panther and now Fruitvale Station. This is probably my favorite Ryan Coogler film uh, in terms of, as you were saying, presenting the complete picture of a human being. And I mean, it's kind of tough to compare there's three very different mm. types of movies mm. but this sort of feels like you know the evolution of what it means like craft a tragedy in western you know society of like he has these personal failings oscar grant but you see him try to overcome them to work through them uh reviews were hitting on how he's sort of like this complete figure that we learn a lot about and the movie opens um with it's just a little bit of uh, text between Oscar Grant and uh, I forget his girlfriend's name. Uh, so Sofina, something along those lines, Sophina. and her daughter T. Um, and so the first thing you hear in the movie is just the black screen. And then it says, oh, you're giving up carbs. Like, yeah, I'm giving up carbs. Like, what, what is even a carb? And then it cuts to cell phone footage of the actual event of the subway cop shooting Oscar Grant. Yeah. And this maybe it's like 30 second scene of like real cell phone footage. And then it cuts to the movie. Um, starting on December 31st, 2008. Um, and you really f kind of forget what's going to happen to him. Uh, so it's really tough to like, no, I knew kind of vaguely about this happening when I was in high school, but I didn't really know any of the details until seeing this movie. And then afterward, we I uh, actually watched a bunch of interviews and different like news pieces just to like learn more about um, what this case and you know, what was happening with this case. And I think Kugler perfectly kind of shows us the day in a life of this person and how the tragedy is not in Oscar Grant's personal failings, but in society's failings. Like that's the real catharsis is how society failed Oscar Grant 
not how he failed himself and led to his own demise, which is sort of classical. And not 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 kind of too much with that. Uh, just a quick aside: it's like that how starkly different that is from how media coverage surrounds these events. Yeah, right. where exactly. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. the inherent witch hunt is is on the part of the victim, and suddenly the story of this person is this sort of elaborate like fleecing of like personal details that are uh, uncomfortable or criminal records or anything like that in the face of the reality of a fully flushed person who is now the victim of the story. Um, yeah, pointing is... fingers like, oh, well, they sold drugs, exactly. so they weren't totally yeah. great. They went to prison. Yeah. Like, well, and, and I think that's the significance. Seeking justification. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Well, yeah, and that's the importance that a movie can play in mm. in providing that much more holistic like story and like filling the gaps exactly yeah. where it's like media coverage about a story can depict one thing or multiple things but in very uh calculated ways yet a, yeah. a, a movie can also provide like the human complex mm -hmm. element to a tragedy that unfolds can i just ask a question which isn't asking too much of the media for god's sake right. that's, yeah, like we right. would hope that's like doing your job integrity yeah. would suggest that you paint the yeah. full picture and provide all one the one would think but apparently a lot of people have forgotten that um i i just wanted to ask you mentioned that they showed the the footage of mm -hmm. him being shot at the beginning is that the only real um um real bit that they use within the movie do they use like um news or articles or anything like that like maybe after the fact or i'm just interested in like what um what is like interwoven within like the story i think it's just in the beginning it is okay i don't remember anything at the end of the movie i mean it does give like text about what happened okay mm -hmm. am i maybe this is in further things that i've watched about oscar grant but i think that they do show. They show his daughter. Right. They show oh. his daughter at the, the very end. In 2013. Uh-huh. Oh, Because wow. mm -hmm. this, because there was, I assume every year there's a gathering at the Fruitvale Station. I don't know. I haven't looked up that. But yeah, in two, January 2013, they mm -hmm. cut the footage before it cuts to like Oscar Grant this. You know, that this is what happened with the case. The person who shot him was sentenced to two years in prison, got out after 11 months. Before that, they show, which we can talk about in a second, but they show, um, his daughter T Tatiana grieving at the Fruitvale station yeah. several years Ooh. later. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's something else is sort of like, where does Oscar's justice come into play? Mm -hmm. So the, the officer was sentenced to two years, um, including time served, served 11 months, was paroled early and then everything was done. Mm -hmm. Right. But like, but, but, but like, that's that's not okay like that's not enough i'm not saying that someone needs to spend the rest of their life in prison for like you know committing like i think that there's restorative practices that mm -hmm. like yeah. we can talk about but like how does 11 months like yeah. repay tatiana for losing her father forever well mm -hmm. and like um i was watching videos from uh what was it rodney king um right mm -hmm. the rodney king rights and yeah. did, weren't like every everyone involved in that was like not like you know charged oh or, no yeah they that yeah was like walk, it's it's much, one yeah. of those things where yes like there are restorative practices and you know i do not believe in the death penalty and i have issues with life in prison um but i you're right like 11 months is ridiculous um and we talk about this a lot with like you know 
rape cases and stuff too, like fucking Brock Turner and mm-hmm. the bullshit sentence he served. And it's just like, like, what is that person doing now, even if they're out to make their community better or like truly take what they have done and like try to somehow get something positive out of this situation. Um, And I don't think maybe necessarily prison is the answer, but like there, there needs to be justice there in some way um, that we're not seeing. And we have not seen many times in very similar cases like this. And I'm glad that Kugler didn't include this in the movie because this is very much a character study of Oscar Grant. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you just you follow him just on this one day of just his coming and going. He um, cheated on his girlfriend. He sells weed, but he's a very loving father. He picks his daughter from school. So I related a lot in terms of like someone who like doesn't have a lot of money and like someone who's like who pays rent and has to like work a job and do all these kind of like Mm -hmm. normal everyday things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's his mother's birthday. And so he kind of learned about insights in his family. And it was really cool watching interviews with his uncles um, and his mother and kind of talking about um, justice for Oscar Mm -hmm. and how if there was no cell phone footage, the media would have labeled him as this pot dealing, you know, ex-felon kind of which like please if you see something that you think is not okay like use film it use the, yeah. your film fucking it. technology for something it. good not illegal. Yeah. Did, yes did, film did oscar know the woman that took the footage and then the trailer mm-hmm. there's this scene where he's on the tra- this crowded train and like this girl is like oh hey oscar how's it going and he's like oh hey so well, and so and she seems like she's the one who pulls out the phone what was that deal? So okay. there's a scene earlier in the movie where Oscar goes back to the grocery store that he used to work at. And there's this woman who's like trying to do like a fish fry or something. And she doesn't exactly know what kind of fish to get. And Oscar like basically walks her through it. Um, he calls, calls his grandma. He calls his grandma <laughs> and like whatever. And so she gets the, the right kind of fish for the particular thing she's making. And so that woman who I think, if I'm remembering correctly, like has the footage or says like hey oscar whatever. and she's the and one she's who took that in the movie i don't know in- yeah i don't know if, i don't know in reality okay but in the movie yeah definitely so someone who he interacted with briefly during the day just like a night being a nice person that mm-hmm. oscar is mm-hmm. trying to help people um and then it's really interesting how it cuts to his time because he was in san quentin prison i assume for drug dealing of some sort they don't explicitly mm-hmm. say uh and you they set up this interaction with this white guy with all his tattoos who's like says really horrible things about his mother who's there to visit him and so it sets up this kind of you know of like that he is quick to anger and like of course anybody would be if someone's like saying vulgar things about your mother right in front of mm-hmm. you uh, and on the train as she calls out hey oscar it's me the guy who he had the interaction with in prison is oh, so on that subway encou- too oh, whoa. and this guy starts it but yet yeah. when the police because they have a fistfight on the train subway stop the um subway cops come on and then they only pull all the black people off the train right and then mm-hmm. the white guy he has his red hat on he's like hiding behind his girlfriend person mm-hmm. whoever. that's also interesting too if like those things like aren't you know like potentially accurate but like is just a way to like really get that across that like you can be like a different person to like different people like even within right. like a pretty small yeah. environment like that mm-hmm. um which none of those justify the things that happened to you um especially in this particular situation but that is interesting to try to like have all of those elements within 
you know that that tragic event that happens so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and it the fact that it happened on december 31st new year's eve it's like sure there could be maybe some dialogue interactions that were sort of included or fleshed out for the sake of a narrative but like oh like on the eve of a new year you know you watch like i'm assuming you watch this character like feel like all right fresh start i'm gonna yeah like, everyone kind of has go that and, mm-hmm. uh, well, there's like, even a... to, like like get a new job or like so there's actually a scene where it kind of hints that maybe he could like uh work for a person who owns like a website design company because they go to san they're uh, from oakland take the bar to san francisco to celebrate the new year and then um the women in the party have to like use the restroom so he could like pays 10 bucks to someone who owns a store to like let the women in then this uh white couple comes up and his wife is pregnant says yo you know, Mike B. George's like, let this letter come into, and he's like, okay. And then as they're kind of hanging out there, um, he just asks him about like marriage because he's thinking of maybe proposing to his girlfriend. And then it turns out, and this guy's like, yeah, I had no money when we got married. Like, don't let money be a concern. Mm-hmm. Here's my card. Like, I run this like website design company, and there's just like a little sprinkling of like, like he keeps a card, and like maybe he would like contact this person the next day or mm-hmm. shoot him an email or something. Mm-hmm. So you see, um, was one of the re- of possibility other, and new starts. Was it a review that talked about? loss of potential or sam yeah maybe. i mean it's just like he had a future yeah for it like he had a life to he was live. 22 right he was yes right and like that's also something else to, to think about like his time in san quentin and like all these other things is the, he was 22 years old do you remember you yourself at 22 like, yeah like <laughs> that was not that long <laughs> like i was shitty i was shitty yeah like i'm absolutely. a very different person than i was yeah mm-hmm. but like I'm fortunate enough to live past 22 and to like mm-hmm. grow up. And he didn't have that chance. Right. And so like I the the reason why I think that this movie should have been nominated and Ryan Coogler should have been nominated. Um so I I like I said before I, I do really feel connected to Oscar Grant not just because like we were in an, like a hospital at the same time or what for completely different reasons but also um so I come from a very conservative place, Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania. Love you but you've got your problems and um i think that i suffered from that and like some weird cognitive dissonance of like i understood that racism was a problem but like i didn't understand like how prevalent police brutality and other things like that were in life and so um when I saw this movie, it was, like, right before I moved to Philadelphia. And I remember just being, like, whoa, what the fuck? And, like, really having a moment of, like, reckoning, essentially. Mm-hmm. And and my life ever since has been just constantly unlearning things that I did learn in this, like, really conservative place. And, like, a part of me feels ashamed that it took, like, a movie in 2013 when I was 22 years old um to like to make these connections because like for god's sakes a year earlier Trayvon Martin was killed and like I'm I have a very I have a clearer idea and 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 thoughts on on what happened to Trayvon Martin now because like I remember talking about it with my mom and who's like also like liberal but in a conservative town and and like other people who are we're friends with and and I I would be ashamed to say what I I said about the whole Trayvon Martin case and everything like that but you know seeing this movie really opened my eyes and then a year after that was Michael Brown and I feel mm. like that really started yeah. for me in like my white woman perspective of like just constantly being like inundated with information about like people of color being abused by the law. 
I even just am thinking about how this was not a story that I unfortunately remember being talked about um, in 2009 or anything. And even when, um, like, later on, like, around 2012, 2013, I was in in school uh, taking, like, classes specifically about race and, like, being infuriated with what was happening with like the Trayvon Martin case and just being so, so angry at the things going on. Um, But at the same time, like that wasn't anything new. Um, There were these stories that came before and there were stories that came after. Um, So even just like from the perspective of like, not being infuriated about it is like making me, you know, angry now that I'm older too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why it's so interesting that, people and of course people would view this film as like political propaganda or politicization but i was watching a pbs interview with ryan coogler by the time uh this film was coming out uh, and he was like this is just a story about a guy mm-hmm. a guy trying to live his life and yeah. this is you know the thing that happens to him like a very personal story and i yeah. thought that was such a smart way to focus of like this isn't a movie about police brutality this yeah. isn't a movie about these kind of highly politicized things this is a movie about a uh, 22-year-old named Oscar Grant who's trying to right. sur- live his life in Oakland, California. But people have to attach a million other things to it, mm-hmm. which then take away from, like, this person. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, something I, I want to clarify is that, like, watching this movie and then doing a lot of reflecting, you know, makes me feel bad and feel ashamed for the things that I said before, which, you know, we can fall into this trap of like white guilt, but like the, the best way to like move forward from that is like turn your, like your contrition, like into action Mm -hmm. essentially. And so like, okay, so now that I know about Oscar Grant, like what can I do to like further the cause of like recognizing that police brutality is a thing, solving it, like, doing all of these things like how can I lift up voices of people who need to be heard and so like that's that's sort of what I've taken from this yeah um I think probably Ryan Cooler felt the same way right it's too, like, like yeah it's this like is... people like certainly taking away or sort of depoliticizing the story and focusing on the human element of it does not necessarily like that's one thing but then to walk to have seen it walk away feeling like these are new perspectives that I have. Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what yeah. are you going to do about um, it? Yeah. What right. is it? Yeah. I also, we mentioned, I'm, I have mentioned this in the last episode, kind of just like that idea of like, not everything is for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was making me think about um, having a conversation with my dad about black Klansmen, which I have not seen. Um, and I know my dad listens to this podcast, so please don't be like offended by what I'm about to say or anything. But hey, Dad, I remember just being confused because um, my dad was talking about how he likes Black Klansmen a lot, but I believe he was talking about how at the end of it they were showing like real clips from like rallies, Charlottesville, and, right? Yeah, yeah, like things going on, mm. and then I think at the end it kind of just like says like Black Lives Matter or has like the symbol on it or whatever. And my dad like just mentioning to me like. Yeah, I just felt like it didn't need it that I felt like it was very like heavy handed, like we already kind of got the point or whatever. And, um, you know, now kind of thinking in a new perspective, I'm just like, yeah, but like maybe you got it. But like um, maybe others didn't. But also, again, like um, I can probably assume like Black Klansman wasn't made for you. It wasn't made for me. <laughs> um, this was 
you know, for people that maybe needed those images and needed that message like more than we did. Mm -hmm. Um, so even just like, cause you mentioned like, um, them showing the actual like clip and stuff like that. And I can kind of imagine people being like, oh, why did they need to like add that? Why did they need to show that? But like, there's, there's a reason why. And it's that we need to not forget, uh, that these are, real events that did happen that are currently happening so like you know even if you know about it like you just need to be reminded constantly that these are still things that we need to solve it's it's you know it's something that uh i i forget who i'm pretty sure this might have been a uh, john stewart line although it might have been a paraphrase or something else but just you know the notion that uh, if you're tired of if if you as uh as perhaps a privileged individual are exhausted with conversations having to relate back to race imagine how difficult it must be when it's a di institutional reality yeah like exactly. every day like yeah. it, it's convenient for you to be able to consider this quote-unquote politicized mm -hmm. and to be able to therefore in a sense disengage but if it's just a governing reality of the institutional life that you live then that's far from your purview and from your options because yeah. it means that you have the privilege to have moments where you're not thinking about this all the time you can change the channel in yeah. Essence. yeah and other exactly. people can't like they are in the middle of it they are living in it right a lot now of people. they exactly, are exactly. afraid of what can happen to them and like you cannot forget about all these other people right right this is so true and you know what this brings me to the 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 last point I want to make about this movie, which is, okay, so if it was nominated for an Oscar, like let's say it was nominated for Best Picture, what movies would it be running against? So um, mm. the the movie that won the Oscar that year that it was coming up was 12 Years a Slave. And so- uh, I still haven't seen that, damn it. Right, yeah. and so I find this really interesting. So 12 Years a Slave, and, and also the other people who won, so like if Michael B. Jordan was to be nominated, so Ma um, Matthew McConaughey won for Dallas Buyers Club, mm -hmm. Lupita Nyong'o won for um, 12 Years a Slave, yeah. okay. and then Alfonso Cuaron won for Gravity. Mm -hmm. and so, oh, really? Yeah, so- Wait, this for what? I think he for director. director right? Yeah, oh, for best director. God, this movie was infinitely better than Gravity. Yeah, Gravity oh, stressed sucks. me. That sucks. That guy's made way better. Oh boy. Gravity I'm upset. stressed me out because I don't want to be lost in space. Right. But I'm exactly. Also pretty right. sure I'm never gonna have to be fucking lost in space. Gravity stressed me out because it sucked. <laughs> oh God. Well, um, <laughs> yes. First of all, um, but but like to the point. So, um. Like, 12 Years a Slave is a great movie. It is, but but, I, but... but, like, I wonder, like, why a movie like 12 Years a Slave was nominated and recognized, whereas a movie like Fruitvale Station wasn't. And by the way, Fruitvale Station won awards. So it wasn't mm. like people yeah, ignored yeah, yeah. it. No, this thing won awards. It was It was a jury prize at Sundance. But, um, I feel Are you like... Are Fruitvale? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, and also the trailer was, like, had the... Weefy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the laurels. But it was yeah. like, yo, it rocked at Sundance, right? And so and critics were clearly, but like, like with looking at with it. things like Twelve Years a Slave, um, which was, uh, I believe, directed by Steve McQueen, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. who also did Widows, and um, so he's like also very great. Um, but I mean, with with a movie like that, I feel like people could 
set themselves apart exactly. from it enough. They can kind of keep it at a distance. Historization. Yeah. That's like, what I was, was going to so bring up. This was so long ago. These aren't things that are happening right now. Uh. My family never owned slaves. So like I don't have to and I can recognize mm-hmm. that this is bad mm-hmm. versus something that is in your immediate life. Well, yeah. And as people who take the subway frequently or somewhat infrequently like this is could, this is real life? This is, yeah. Well, and I was actually, um, as I was sitting in a pizza shop waiting to pick up uh, an order of food on Fox 29 News here in Philadelphia, there was a young black man being like arrested by a police officer, like banged up against a police car, like as, you know, like three hours, two hours before mm-hmm. recording this. So this is in Broadway Trayvon Martin, Michael Brownlee. This is things that are yeah. continuing. And it's like, to happen. you know, that idea too. like, yes, I'm sick of seeing those, but it's not that like, you know. To go, that must be tough. Yeah, and <laughs> it's, right? it's one of those things, God but damn. I'm sick of seeing those things because they're still things. It's not that, like, I'm I'm sick of them because I'm just like, ugh, you know? It's right, like, yeah, yeah. the fact that this is still a thing going on is heartbreaking mm-hmm. every time I hear a story like this in the news. Yeah, yeah, and, like, and, and honestly, I think that this movie goes a long way in, like, how I respond to situations like what you're describing, Connor. I'll never forget that. So there's a, a garden near the place that we work, and there were two children of color playing around in the garden, and there was this one white man outside yelling at the kids about, like, well, I'm going to call this person. I'm going to call the police. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. I stayed, and I watched because I wanted to see what was going to happen and in case I needed to intervene like i don't know if i would have ever been like motivated enough to do something like that before i had seen Mm -hmm. like fruitvale station but like knowing how important it is for someone to witness but also someone to intervene right like how different would that have been and i mean you know you you run into the problem when you're dealing with law enforcement like you try to intervene you could find yourself in the same position because we know that like you know, my personal feelings is that like they're kind of power hungry and whatever they're yeah, going to do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also they, they're just legal statutes that could get you arrested for that. Yeah. Well, well, right, right, right. Exactly. But like you see it, like someone just like talks back to a police officer and they try to arrest yeah. them for like whatever resisting or something like that. And like, you know, I think there is, I think appropriately a sense of responsibility that more people that are in like positions of privilege should have um, in those situations where like, Okay, like if I stand here, like probably nothing bad is going to happen to me, but like I can stand here and I can record and I can intervene if I need to. And that's like, like people need to remember that and mm-hmm. like know that like you do have a responsibility in these types of situations. Well, what I heard in, in the in the pizza shop was these two people next to me were like, if those police officers were ever taken away from their loved ones overnight, yeah. this would end. This would be over if this scenario ever happened to the people who are arresting, who are beating, who are attacking Mm -hmm. these uh, folks, you know, that this would not police brutality would end if this was happening to Mm -hmm. the the perpetrators. Mm -hmm. Right. Which was a really I don't know. It's kind of interesting that this tied and very sad that this is like a daily occurrence. Right. And then also it shows like where we can still grow like looking back on that moment of like seeing those two kids in the garden, I should have said something to that dude. I should have been like, why are they bothering you? Right. Why are they bothering you enough to call the police? Mm -hmm. So like you learn from these moments and how you could be better to help more people. Yeah, exactly. We can all do better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We never stop learning. Never stop. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. 
Well, cool. I think that was a really awesome discussion. Is there anything else you want to say about Fruitvale Station or anything else? Uh, it's interesting that last week we talked about um, Meek's Cutoff, and these are two sort of very similar films in terms of, like, slice of life. Right. Of, like, you are following <laughs> these, like, very real... Um, in, like, historical, you know... Yeah. Interpretations mm-hmm. of things. and So yeah. it's just, it's interesting in how, coincidentally, there's these two movies that are similar but yet totally different that's just an interesting thing to think about yeah mm-hmm. agreed yeah um i also just want to talk about too um with like um the documentary i saw the other day um jordan peele was on it so he was talking about get out um they were talking about the ending of get out which uh has everyone here seen it yeah mm-hmm. yep. yeah mm-hmm. okay great um so uh, i remember seeing it in the theaters and at the end of the movie he is standing there and you see the red and blue lights. And I think everyone had the exact same thought seeing that movie uh, where um, this person is probably about to get shot after fighting for his life and like, you know, killing all these fucking evil white people. Um, and I guess the initial ending was a much darker ending. Um, huh. And then uh, Jordan Peele basically said, like, seeing the news and seeing the black lives matter movement and seeing the things going on it was like people already know the reality of like these things and what's happening constantly and so it's like he felt that he didn't need to have that darker ending um which almost adds more to um when the man walking out of the car is his friend and just this huge like buildup of stress that you could physically feel with the people you were watching it with and then feeling all of that immediately dissipate mm-hmm. um, where, you know, it was kind of like, OK, yeah, this is not what we expect, um, unfortunately. And it's so sad that we all expect that to happen. It's just a perfect scene of his comedic roots in terms of timing, the mm-hmm. pacing of that moment. Yeah. That is like, it's just, it's this conflux of so many. And it was like, people needed that. Yeah. <laughs> I think people really needed that. And you can look up the, the ending where he gets like arrested. Yeah. Like that's, they filmed it. And... Yeah. And like people needed that, but people need like through fail station and like, they need these stories shown and told too. And um, knowing that there are two ending, I feel like adds to. Like, yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. The, the moment mm-hmm. of possibility. Yeah. Um, also, we need more Lil Rel, Lil Howry, who is the uh, actor who played the friend. Uh, yeah, yeah, the friend yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's PSA in Bird Box. Agent. He's so great. He, oh His yeah, show. he was in Burbox. He was also in something I've seen recently. I can't remember what it was, but he is so good. Oh. Well, awesome. So, thanks, folks, for a really great discussion. Mm-hmm. We're gonna take a break, and we'll be be <laughs> we'll be back in a moment. The video is shot from a distance, but what happens is unmistakable. Multiple cell phone cameras rolled at the Fruitvale BART station as transit police handcuffed four young men on New Year's Day 2009. The men were already seated, at least one handcuffed. Police forced 22-year-old Oscar Brandt to the ground, face down, handcuffing him. Officer Johannes Meserly draws what he says he thought was his taser. But listen. It was his handgun. He got shot him! The point-blank shot by the white officer into the back of the unarmed Oscar Grant killed him. Violent and fiery protests erupted in the wake of Grant's death. 
cries of police brutality against African-American men. The officer was arrested and charged with murder. The city was riveted by the trial and then came the verdict. Guilty of a lesser charge, involuntary manslaughter. The nerve touched again. That was 2010. Officer is now a free man, spending less than a year behind bars. Here in Oakland, Oscar Grant's death represents the very worst of gun violence and racism. His case may be over, but the problem is not. All right, so welcome back, everybody. It's time for our whiteboard question. So to end out our anti-Oscars month, my whiteboard question is, if you could swipe one award away from a person, a film, or what have you, like an Oscar, um, and give it to someone else, to another movie, what would it be and why? One quick question. Does it have to be another film that was nominated? No. Okay. Because mine aren't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, I can go. Go ahead. Um, Last year. Um, I would like to swipe Shape of Water because, like, whatever. I didn't see it, but also, like, fish fucking isn't relevant. Um, and give it to Get Out because, first off, uh, just from a selfish perspective, I would love to see a horror wi- movie win a uh, Best Picture, but also um, talking about movies that are, like, really relevant and dealing with, like, important issues. Um, Get Out obviously dealt with um, race in a very, very important way that um, I think... Um, yeah. Are that... you saying fish fucking is not important? Well, you know what? I have heard from from some people that I know in the, the LGBT community that uh, feel that that movie does highlight a lot of things about body dysmorphia and a lot of other issues. So okay. something to think about. Something to think about. I think Get Out should also still <laughs> still steal that for from that. I so. still have not seen Shape of Water, but I love Sally Hawkins. And I think yeah. oh, the fashion she is beautiful. She's also an actress that beautiful. has been around for so long. And she's in a fave of mine, Happy Go Lucky, which is like a, also sort of a very sort mm. of small movie. She just plays this optimistic protagonist. Yeah. But she fucking is so good. And it's so funny I still she didn't talk in Shape of Water and still mm. delivered like it's just I also heard like mixed things about Shape of Water too which made it feel like a weird movie to actually like win you know Um, especially like with just like other like even this year like fucking Bohemian Rhapsody and stuff I'm like I've also heard mixed things about that too and I'm just like these are movies that probably should not be actually winning these awards and they can have like you know their important things about both of them I'm sure Um, but from like a larger perspective I feel like there are other movies that are more important that are often overlooked and I was kind of shocked to see it get the nomination in a way and not only the nomination but to see it win yeah agreed yeah and I think some of it was for Guillermo del Toro right like his we, we were talking about this episode like Somebody wins an award for the, mm. you know, the body of their yeah. career. Yeah. But he also won Best Director, too. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting, Christine, that you brought up Sally Hawkins because, like, I was annoyed that she was playing a character with a disability, like, wouldn't have been great. Because, mm. I mean, like, yeah. you know, mm. Octavia Spencer was in Shape of Water, but, like, she might have been the only other. I get Doug Jones, but, like, he plays, like, 
Like, He's the fish man. Yeah, yeah, Some yeah. actress recently just turned down a role because she was like, no, give that to a person that like has a disability. Right. And so like the thing is, you don't have to give roles of people with disabilities to people with disabilities. But like if you are going to hire like able body folks mm-hmm. to those roles, then you should be hiring people with yeah. disabilities for like able body roles too. Well, because like, and there are actors out there with disabilities who are hurting for work. And it's right. like that's sad the, that's that the they're point. not getting that work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I hear that. I respect Sally Hawkins, but Oh yeah, agreed. but I think yeah. you also bring up an important yeah. point. And yeah, it's mm-hmm. a movie I have not seen. Yeah. Um and so I'll have to watch it to be able to Weigh in with mm-hmm. more. What's confusing about Shape of Water was the pie scene. The scene's about pie. Just kind of confusing. Uh, don't they talk about fish stick a lot too? It happens one time, and it is. It's amazing. Terrible. <laughs> it has given me nightmares. So, moving on. Um, <laughs> so thanks, Kiki so Toro. Um. You know, a man who probably would want to give nightmares to a person considering the rest of his body work. But like, I can't no, wait for um, who saw the trailers the for Scary mm. Stories oh, in the Dark? Fucking wait, dude! The pictures they released are horrifying, I'm and so I am so excited. excited. It better get the R rating. It better. Oh, uh, it'd be such a bummer. It if felt it gets like 13. an R read when I was a kid. I was right, on the bus, exactly. like freaking out and like losing my mind. There's a couple of those on the shelf right now. <sighs> yeah, I actually have a Guillermo pick for my. Oh. Um, oh, oh well. So, Pan's Labyrinth is one of my favorite movies yeah. of all time, and it really got great. it was the the favorite to win best foreign film at the uh, what was it the 2007 Oscars? <gasps> Ooh, I'm really interested. 2007 oh, Oscars, seven? Okay. but a movie that did win. Oh man, I just lost it on my phone. Um, was a movie called The Lies of Others by oh, Florian. That movie is good. Henkel von Donnersmark. I've never seen that movie. It's good. Uh, but that that one best picture, best foreign film. Oh, best foreign. Pan's foreign. Labyrinth made me ball my eyes out. Talking about movies that made yeah. you feel like I all of the things. Yeah. yeah, that movie like fundamentally changed the way I think about cinema. Yeah, watching that in high school. Which also <laughs> makes Christine me. Was acting out which also the- makes me mad that like. I I mean I'm sure Shape of Water was like probably good, but like makes me mad that that one because yeah. I can't imagine it's better than Pan's it's Labyrinth, not. which is like profoundly wonderful. Um, I've never seen Pan's Labyrinth, so I can't. Oh, it's so really good. Um, one thing that is uh, we just want to sad, point out is that um, it's so sad. Florian Henneckel von Donnersmark newest film. Um, what's it called? It's called The Lies of Others. It's also nominated for Best Foreign Film, along with Roma, which Wait, is assumed... The li- the last another of, Lives, the lives of, of Others Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. The Lives of Some Other others. People. <laughs> Never Look Away is okay. his new movie that came out last year. Uh, Roma is assumed to win Best Foreign Film, but maybe he will upset again with this film that is apparently also but... very good. Or maybe shoplifters will win. Aww. Yeah. Yay. Uh, but anyway, Pan's Labyrinth should have, like you said, Tori, been nominated for Best Picture and Agreed. won. That movie was amazing. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else want to go? Oh, I can go. Uh, so uh, I have a 2007 Oscar swap as well. Both these people were nominated, uh, but I wanted the other person to win. So that year for Best Actress, uh, Helen Mirren won for The Queen. Uh, but Penelope Cruz was also nominated for Volver, and Volver was so good, um, hmm. the Almodovar movie, and I thought she did 
gave a perf- I mean, she's in a lot of his movies, but I thought this <laughs> role was like. Oh, I didn't amazing. see it. I never heard of. Um, I saw The Queen, but all I remember is that there were a lot of corgis in it. Yeah, I mean, so. I've no like I've no problems with, with Dame uh, Helen, but yeah. I think she gets a lot of love. She does get um and queen Where other roles people... get a lot of yeah. love. And don't get me wrong, I love the fud fucking yeah. stodgy period piece, but I think that <laughs> yeah, Penelope Cruz rocks it. Hmm. All right. Well, cool. Dave, thoughts? Uh yeah, I would um I would make the swap. Um, probably the the one that really stands out for me, and it was because of the, the year of the Oscars that I was most attached to, um, was 2008, um, where the uh, award for best original music slash like score, best original score, um, went to Atonement, mm-hmm. um, which did have a good score. The but typewriter was such a good. That was a percussive nice like, percussive element. element. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like has a pretty like you know um it's not bad but it it's typical of the kind of movie it's in where it, like mm-hmm. it's got the kind of like major chord swells and so on um i think it should have gone to there will be blood um not only because it's you know i'm biased it's my favorite film is that johnny but, but that was johnny greenwood his first um his first pairing with pt anderson um uh, johnny greenwood the guitarist of radiohead um took on a largely instrumental approach or a largely orchestral approach to the film um, but exploring rather than the typical orchestral arrangements that you might find in, say, your atonements or your English patients or films that have just like a broader, just like How sort do you of really feel about the English patient? The, the normal, like major, uh, major chord Oscar, um, sw- orchestral swells instead it explored dissonance, which is like the no- the notion of like two notes that are, um, say within a different key or just like right next to each other that mm. are a harmonic and like create a tension. Um, not attention, but a tension, like a, a strain and like an unease, um, which is expertly used in the film. Also, mm. there's uh, some percussive elements where like you'll have um, a rhythmic uh, and um, syncopated percussion where it's like, um, you know, one will be doing a, uh, a tap that is out of sync with another and the two just sort of flow in and out of each other to create a synchronicity and a disynchronicity that's really disorienting and jarring and really stands out um so i thought that the score for that movie is fantastic Hell yeah and uh should definitely have gotten a little more attention at least amongst more conventional scoring in that year yeah that was that i mean everything about that movie is like dope someday we'll do it someday um one day i'll see it <laughs> and then i oh. watched Candyman the other day which like i had seen it a couple years ago and kind of forgot like a decent amount about it but the music is done by philip glass yeah what and holy shit that score is crazy it's freaky it is real freaky it's real freaky um but i was listening to it and i was like oh my god like i <laughs> this movie is like so unsettling anyway but like like most that, of the score is just like yeah, and it starts off with this, like, weird view of, so the it's, like, just the music playing, and it's just the camera going over, like, a, um, uh, the, just a highway. Mm-hmm. You're just, like, going over the highway and watching it as this crazy music is blaring, and, <laughs> yeah, it's just so good. What a great pick for a horror movie. Yeah. Candyman is crazy. It's real great. It was also kind of cool, uh, so the... 
is it Tony Todd? Is oh, he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tony Todd was in the documentary uh, Horror Noir, and it was also interesting um, hearing um, black actors talk about um, some of their like conflicting issues with roles they've played and mm-hmm. stuff, and kind of knowing aspects of it were like potentially problematic or like um you know not just totally being happy with like how characters were developed and stuff Mm -hmm. and he like kind of talked a little bit about it and was just like you know what like i did the best i could and like some people were talking about like yeah and i like knew these weren't like roles that like i felt were great but they were also um opportunities that like people before me weren't offered so like Mm -hmm. i you know felt like i needed to take them so yeah. And he does a fantastic job in Candyman. His voice in general is just incredible. Like, yeah. I would listen to Tony Todd talk about anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so my picks here. Um, in 1993, I would swipe the Best Picture Award for Unforgiven, um, done by Clint Eastwood, and replace it with Penny Marshall's A League of Their Own. Ooh, yeah. Uh-huh. And then in 1999, I would... Oh, yeah, talk about a Western gone wrong. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, you're exactly right. <laughs> Throwing back to yeah. last week's episode. Oh, boy. oh Clint. Um, Nineteen ninety nine, I'd slap the best actor award out of Kevin Spacey's hand and instead give it to Robin Williams for Patch Adams. What did, what did you get Spacey for? win? American, American Beauty. I hate, <gasps> I hate American Guys, life is a bag. Life is a plastic bag. I'm sorry. Okay. The character in ah. Not Another Teen Movie God. that has the plastic bag is one of the most funny oh, it's great. fucking yeah. bits it's very of funny. that movie. Yeah. So yeah. American Beauty sucks. But what what came from it? There are aspects of that movie that are good, Bless. and Kevin oh, Spacey rain, is good in that movie. I like, will rain fire on that movie on here someday. I hated that movie before <laughs> this whole Kevin Spacey stuff. Yeah, happened. The cinematography is good. Yes, I, I mean love it looks everything. Else it looks about real good. <laughs> I was I saw that at a very young age. It was just like, what the fuck is this movie? Like it was just like a crazy thing to watch when I was like a pretty. What year was that? Nineteen ninety. Well, it came out in ninety eight. So mm-hmm. yeah, ninety nine Oscars. Yeah. I was I was pretty young when I saw that movie. Yeah, yeah, but those all make sense. <laughs> but Robin Williams for Patch Adams. That movie's amazing. And he did a great job in that movie. Someone mm-hmm. mentioned something about like they were like so, I forget who it was, but someone just said was Patch Adams like a sad movie? Did like bad things happen in that? And I was like, it took place in a fucking hospital. Of course, <laughs> sad things were happening. It was in a hospital. Does. It does. Oh, and Robin Williams does such a great job dealing with that grief. Like, oh my god, I love Robin amazing. Williams. I, I was Lost thinking treasure. about him earlier too um oh because we were talking about john wayne because we were talking about westerns and there's that moment where um in birdcage have you guys seen the birdcage yeah, of course oh, no. uh, where oh, nathan lane is trying to like bird walk box. like um <laughs> very walk yeah, john no, wayne. i have seen the and bird he was cage. like well was that not good and he goes no i just never realized john wayne walked like that <laughs> there's also a john wayne reference in fern gully is that really? Yeah, where where huh. when Batty's channeling uh again all oh, Robin Williams yeah, right. stick just does the uh, all right pilgrim we're going in. <laughs> oh, I miss him so much. I know. Yeah. Did you watch the HBO Robin documentary? No, because I just like it's, it's one of those things really I know it'll make me good. cry and I what? Just... I'll just bring See, uh, there's an amazing HBO documentary that came out last year, maybe end of 2017, right. 2018, yeah. definitely. Either end of 2017, 2018, about Robin Williams' life. Um, it's heartbreaking. I'll cry to that. It's up there to me yeah, with yeah, uh, yeah. the um, Amy Winehouse documentary that yeah. I bawled in the theater. Uh, watching. Yeah. 
I right. wish I feel bad. I just don't care about Amy Winehouse at all. I didn't really either, but that movie. I mean, it made me kind of think I of cared Fruitvale a lot about her. About I of, cared a lot about her. It made actually. me think of Fruitvale Station a little bit in terms of just, like, catharsis about, like, you forget that he's going to get shot and murdered. Mm. You forget that she's going to, like, go down this path that leads to overdose and, like... Mm-hmm. It was, like, it's, like, a lot of those things, though, where it's, like, there's so many people out there who have these, like, tragic stories. And she just, like, I know so many people connect with her, but, like, I never liked her music. I didn't know much about her. And, like, that happened. It was mm-hmm. super sad. But it was, like... Not a thing I was attached to. If that documentary, it's just called Amy, is ever on Netflix, Hulu, whatever, highly recommend watching it. Even mm. if you don't really connect with Amy Winehouse, you will like connect with who she is as like a human being. Mm. Okay. Wow. Great, great answers, everybody. <laughs> um, Did you do your Oscar swap? Yeah. Pants Labyrinth. Oh, fuck. Yes, 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 yes. 2007. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. 2007, bro. Sorry. <laughs> um, well, on that note, um, follow us on social media. Uh, we've got a shout out. Tori, I'm going to also let you tackle this Back one. To the considering. Oh, I feel bad because I also was just like, I hope you're not offended, Dad. Um, spoiler alert. My dad caught the next one. <laughs> Hi, Dad. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Tori's dad. Yeah, so so the Potenzas are clearly following us on social media. Um, so my, my father. Which begs the question, why aren't the rest of our family members? Well, Dave's dad. Y'all, y'all can take that up with your respective family members. Mom, my mom Excuse barely me. knows how to write an email. Well, Sorry you if you ever listen to this. <laughs> you, you don't ever. even have. Um, so my papa, my dad, uh, my favorite person, um, guest rear window, which was pretty cool. Uh, my dad has also just been messaging me constantly about movies he has seen and stuff, which has been uh, fun. So he is clearly taking a lot of our recommendations and also just going off of like other stuff like based on our recommendations and is constantly like, hey, I watched this movie and this movie and this movie. Aww, so so um, it's really sweet. I'm glad my dad is such a big fan. And he identified it from the Instagram feed, just the picture of uh, uh, yeah, James Stewart's cat. He did, <laughs> wow, yeah, which is good pretty good. For him. But I I cannot be certain, but there is a chance that I may have told my dad I did. Oh, oh yeah. insider trading. But I don't. I can't honestly remember. This is the real collusion that America needs to be talking about. Between like you know messaging and Skype sessions, like it's possible I could have spilled the beans at some point. Um, but I would hope that my father, who I believe has a ton of integrity, would not have guessed if he already knew what the answer was. Um, but Fair. either way, I guess congratulations. I was um, real proud of that hint pick. <laughs> I gotta say, one. I agree. It was very good. Sam does a great job with their social media. Um, but you know, Potenzas, you're doing awesome. But leave some space for other people to guess too. You know, unless um, they don't take up that space. I'm looking at you, some of my friends. Yeah, if like in a day or two, no one's answered, then yeah, like like answer it. But. I think it's just a challenge to make it even more difficult. Zoom into like a pixel, like a brown <laughs> pixel, like an eyeball or something. You're like, guess what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. Um, anything else? No. You got your uh, horror movie night coming up, right? Oh, true. Um, yeah, so I had my uh, February one the other day, and I did uh, my Bloody Valentine. Um, the 80s one not the remake that has uh jensen ankles in it but he is uh, but also he's a handsome man. He beautiful is a handsome man. um 
but I did the original, which is uh, Canadian, and we had a lot of fun watching it. Um, I made Valentine's from all of your favorite um, horror slashers and everything, so <laughs> I went all out for it. Um, but for March, uh, March 3rd will be the next one, and uh, my partner Garrett is taking over because uh, his birthday is that week, and he is doing The Guest, which is one of our favorite movies also with Dan Stevens in it. ass. Uh, which is so fucking good um so come hang out and watch the guest uh chill and kill horror um we uh do our shows at century um follow us on um the facebook and stuff um as well as butter with that so yeah definitely give another shout out to our friend Alyssa miller who runs art page called Alyssa arts if you have a pet you like to take a painting of make it fun put it on your wall hit her up on facebook also, new bus route opening. Woo! 49! Uh-huh. February 24th. Right. The 49, uh, more importantly, probably goes by 30th Street Station, which I feel like is hard Woo-hoo. to get to by bus a lot of the time. Yep. I'm yes. so but excited. it also is dropping people off right by Century Bar, where I do my horror nights. So, oh, shit, is it really right yeah. by? Brewery Town to Grace Ferry. Yeah. Okay, nice. Pretty so exciting. Good. I will so, be taking that to Century Bar. Yeah. And also, I live in Brewerytown, so come hang out, I guess. Well, not like you guys who are listening, but like my friends who are here. Um, <laughs> I don't want random people showing up in my neighborhood. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, catch you next month. Bing. What was that? What was that? <laughs> Butter plu. Butter plu. Butter plu. Indeed. Butter plu.